0: Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations.
1: We, we, we. we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. The fifth column, column,
0: column. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle the people that make it and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster. I still do things at free. Time. I do. But recently I, I made a baby and it's completely turned my life upside down. I didn't know how difficult it would be to have a four-year-old and to have new baby. And this week, new baby has decided he doesn't like me. Oh, like I can't actually hold him. Every time I touch him, yeah. he screams. And it's not they, they do this thing it's this trembling scream, and it really does get results. It makes you aware that this is it. It's this is nine eleven times a thousand. you're the worst possible thing, and the only person who can actually remedy this for me is the woman who gives me food from her breasts. That is it. so it's been a bit of a traumatic week. My daughter has had pink eye and is finally recovered and is back in school. My son doesn't like me, and I don't really know what to do, but I'm here prepared to record this podcast, and hopefully my, my comrades, Trigger. Matt Welch, Reason Magazine, Michael Moynihan, who's at Vice News, hopefully they can give me a little bit of encouragement. Well, I'll hopefully tell you what, I scream, to make it this.
2: scream for breasts often, too. <laughs> tremble scream, one of the ones you were describing. I mean, weirdly, it works. It does work. People just show up, and they're like, do you like the breast? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> my daughter did the same thing, and it was uh-huh. a really long long time where she was not happy yeah about michael was not in a good
1: yeah. place for a couple of years, a couple years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really no i mean it's we laugh but he was uh, <laughs> no but
2: the thing is is if you if you hold on and you just you wait for it to flip mm-hmm. then you become the most prized one the the person mm. that they pay the most attention to mm. and talk to the most and care about the most
1: mm. mom becomes a pain again so there's an expiration date <laughs> on that was did on in all of it <laughs> yeah 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 and then they just
2: start hating both of you but i'm in the period now where where i i think i'm getting most of the love so oh my god
0: yeah at, at the moment i'm just i'm still like the sleep deficit is so real and it's been it's been eight weeks it's eight weeks today actually i mean it's, it's our anniversary um and I have literally not had more than 3 or 4 consecutive hours of sleep even when I'm on the road when I was in New York like I just couldn't sleep like I've wrong. been I've been traumatized
1: Adderall is not trauma. <laughs> it's a choice yeah.
2: I'm barely taking <laughs> yeah. the Adderall that's the point uh, Elon Musk thinks Adderall's bad by the way and we need to talk about that Elon He's Musk saying, uh, Elon Adderall's Musk making people angry um, okay, cool. And Twitter
0: deal ain't even done yet. No, it's not no, no, even no. fully consummated, and he's he's on there spreading misinformation about Adderall. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a that's a that's real that's problem. And there's already been a, a a congressional hearing suggested by certain lawmakers who want to get to the bottom of this this Twitter situation. AOC has expressed her um, Incoherent concern, concern and her exhaustion that particular billionaires are purchasing social media platforms and certainly are going to be inspiring waves of hate crimes this is this is something she knows but the tenses
2: were all weird about any
0: evidence for it yeah yeah it
2: sounded like there was already a lot of hate crimes according to aoc can i read the tweet because i don't know what this means yeah maybe you can read that enter Uh, it into the record i'm gonna enter this into the fifth column record we have a stenographer who's ready to take this down (laughs) um now follow me stenographer because this doesn't make a ton of sense Tired of having to collectively stress about what explosion of hate crimes is happening because some billionaire with an ego problem unilaterally controls a massive communication platform and skews it because Tucker Carlson or Peter Thiel took him to dinner and made him feel special. Now, those are words. <laughs> yeah. Every single one of those yeah. I, I can identify as a word in the English language. The arrangement of those words is rather strange to me what was that collectively what yeah. this, collectively she's one stressed. person who's having collective stress
1: um i think in the, the the most uh charitable reading is that uh she's already feeling fatigue yes um be in, in anticipation of what it is going to be like when a person uh and when elon musk eventually starts uh, taking over Twitter in a meaningful way and, uh, and imposing his own ideas Matt, that's, about you're, content moderation. You're, you're making a longer her. Dude,
2: <laughs> I'll tell you this. Here's how you do it.
1: Uh,
2: I'm stressed that there might be more hate crimes when Elon Musk takes over Twitter. It could. That's, what good. It, that's it. There's some he economy of right there. And by the way, Elon Musk responded, stop hitting on me. I'm really shy.
1: <laughs> i don't know who was doing it but there was a a, a decent actually uh, was his observer of that's a good of life response. on uh on twitter and there is such a thing once in a while um who pointed out like there's a psychographic space or there's a there's a there's a need for twitter to have someone who is the sort of black hole who sucks uh, up everyone's oxygen to the point where like if someone's should just, just like <laughs> tweeting the stupidest fucking stick figure cartoons about the left-right political spectrum journalists it, it like newspapers need yeah. to respond Philip to it that's bump. not true <laughs> phil p bump at the P Washington Bumpy. Post is like
3: you know, we're I, know, deep... and I don't think that's true actually. No, that not... we're going to debunk drawing... a stick figure drawing. Are you stick saying
0: figures? the stick the stick figure drawing is not completely accurate no, it's I'm not gonna, an I'm accurate representation of right <laughs> the changes and evolution of the political uh, political dynamics in America? Here's what's Shocking. happening. My
2: name's Pipa <laughs> We're flush Post. I have a very serious piece to pitch about this. But by the way, I, I have um,
0: invited. I have invited him on the podcast in the past. It bumpy said, it sounds like there might have been a chance, but maybe after that, after that, no impersonation. He might not come. But maybe that's exactly he what, he's not. No what he sounds. I have no idea. like. like <laughs> skin. Everyone he used to be sticks. a labor organizer Broca. or
2: something in Southern California, wasn't he? Really. I think it sounds so. right about that. yeah yeah no i think so <laughs> i think he was like a would he got the cover band or something but he, he that idea that people are nitpicking that fucking cartoon when it is the, the kind of instinct of the cartoon is correct people like, well, what about trump trump has taken that like yeah, yeah okay but fine. you have
0: to but you have to put the put the cartoon but in the, the scrap not everyone has seen this thing so it's a it's a cartoon that has what three three, three levels panels, yeah and it is it is supposed to give you a sense of his political evolution over time and i Not believe this Americans. was originally this was originally tweeted by perhaps even created by is it colin colin wright uh who was yes. at yes. fair before recently departed fair and now um has a Substack where he covers Various things related to the the culture wars, specifically around like gender issues, um, and the basic idea in this graphic is that re- Democrats have become increasingly radicalized; that they have shifted further and further to the left, and that a moderate Democrat like Elon finds themselves now almost a little to the right of the center, the center um, of gravity, having not away. moved at all. They didn't do anything. Yes. It's just the Democrats got increasingly crazy. And by the end, they've gone from conventional leftists to being someone who is screaming racist constantly. The Republicans who remained conservative seem extreme, but they're just they're just laughing lol because that's what that's what the far right um, <laughs> the political great, spectrum does these days. It was a great. It's a way, little weird, but yeah, it was a great. I way get, I get ignoring, the point that he's trying to make.
2: Well, the point that the, the counterpoint is all focusing on the right side of that spectrum. Yeah, And that kind of misses the point because when you're somebody who inhabits the left side of that spectrum,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you're not really paying attention to what the right side's doing. You're paying attention to what your own side's doing. And what your own side is doing is so alien. And this is the thing, like, you know, this is the root causes theory that people used to apply to everything in, in foreign policy, right? The twin Towers blew up. It's what did you do to provoke this? No one ever uses <laughs> that in, when it comes to culture war stuff. There is a thing that when you do this for so long, when you batter people in the way that you do, when you have people that are run out of town and run out of jobs and disappeared from, from civilization because they have said something. I mean, like, the you know, Elon Musk said the Babylon Bee thing, which is like, I don't know anything about them, and I don't think they're very funny. But basically it was a joke that that Leah Thomas person who has a penis and dates men... Uh, was a man, which is, you know, whether the joke is funny, I don't know. Um, But that's not something that would have been controversial five years ago. We say that constantly on this podcast. You couldn't do this five years ago. You couldn't do this 10 years ago. Just acknowledging that is acknowledging that there's a lot of truth in that little cartoon, that things have changed dramatically, and that there is a kind of stultifying, chilling effect that has been going on uh, Certain end of the one part of the political spectrum. I mean, it's different also with like with Trump and these the kind of goofiness and the craziness that's gone on there. Is that you also have a mainstream media that is constantly condemning it, whereas in the other hand, you have this shift in the mainstream media is constantly apologizing for it or pretending it's not happening. So that's kind of why that cartoon feels true when it's not entirely true because yes, the right has changed and January sixth happened all that stuff being true, whereas, you know, my problem with the right is that it shifted too far left on economic issues and Mm. it spent too much money and stopped caring about that. And Donald Trump waged a trade war, which, you know, amongst conservatives or libertarians or anybody in the past 10 years would be a huge no-no. I mean, people attacked George W. Bush for like steel tariffs. And, you know, Donald Trump waged a full-scale war and trade on Canada and Europe, not even just China, Mexico. So like all of those things, I'm like, you guys have moved to the left. And I don't like, so it doesn't make a ton of sense. But that idea that, you know, as somebody who's like a moderate leftist and, you know, gave money to Barack Obama. I mean, I saw the Amber Heard stuff today, your favorite mm. story. One of the yeah. things about it. So you're getting into it, too. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite. Yeah, story. it's see? the only thing I care like about. <laughs> but it was about the ACLU op-ed. Don't put it on me. Yeah. It was about this ACLU op-ed, which they wrote for her. And then they in note in this that she never paid them the money, but but Elon Musk paid them. Yeah. So Elon she, Musk, it's she, like- She paid a little bit of money. A little bit but, of money. But, but if, Johnny,
0: Johnny Depp paid a little bit more. Yeah. And, and then Elon- Elon put in a whole bunch more.
2: Who's not even was, dating her is he like- dating wanna, her at the time.
0: I want to, yeah. uh, uh, was it after the fact that he was dating her? He, he was dating you? her at the time when he gave- when Oh, he, he gave must have done money. it after the fact.
2: But yeah. I just, I love the fact that like all this conversation about Elon's- political inclinations and it's like uh-huh. there's another story in, in today that he gave a fucking ton of money to the aclu yeah yeah he's <laughs> been a, a long time supporter
0: oh there's a fact check though on uh, one hand the the babylon b they may have also made a joke about leah thomas but the offending joke that, oh, that got them banned from twitter was about rachel levin the the united states assistant secretary of health the trans woman and they designated her man of the year. That was the joke.
1: Yeah. That's a funny joke, Babylon
0: B. And that was deemed hate speech by Twitter, and their account yeah. was uh, was locked up. Um,
2: so it was in the same kind of instinct, though. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I, I suspect they've made both jokes. <laughs> so <laughs> I just don't think that you should have your Twitter account locked for a joke, even if it's a crappy joke.
1: Yeah. I like the idea that the ACLU went around shopping for a victim who is famous an alleged victim who is famous so that they could take advantage of the me too movement to advocate or you know push in the direction for reforms some of which ended up degrading due process yeah. nicely done nicely. ACLU the, what the, the, the best thing fuck about it, it was in those
2: email uh, emails in the trial there was one person who was, <laughs> who was like, "We should drop this um, Amber Heard quote unquote Amber Heard op-ed which we wrote on such and such a day because Aquaman's coming out that weekend and it'll be good like cross oh, yeah. promotion." <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's just yeah. like oh, yeah, It's amazing.
1: Just like Paul McCartney using the breakup of the Beatles to publicize his kind of crappy, kind of great first record. Mm-hmm. Um, she used this yeah. to. I mean, the ACL used her, and she used it to publicize the thing. Good God, people! You guys are including all the Washington scumbags. Post. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was in an op-ed factory at the LA Times, and, and I'm not going to talk out of school. Um, but there is an amount of self-awareness that happens in those places where famous people um, uh, have the byline on an op-ed. And I'm telling you right now that the person that the editor works with is not the person whose name is on the op-ed. When the changes go back and forth, there was an entire person. Uh, A uh, uh, well-known figure in American life who was a columnist at the LA Times and I worked there. And I probably worked on his column like two or three times. Um, uh, And it was always sort of in the ether, never once interacted with him once in any of the processes. Who was it? uh, Email that came in with the (laughs) column? Nope. You know, the changes, the coming back and forth, it's just like... You, 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 you at some point know that that's not even part of the process. And how is that a little corrupt? Uh, and, uh, who is the dude Uh the uh It's, uh, I can't. Uh, uh, his name rhymes with uh, uh, Barry Bummers. Barry Bummers? That's it. That's all I'm giving you. You can, all you can, right. like. that's, that's all we're going to get. Larry Summers.
2: Yeah, Barry, that's Barry Bummers, though. That it sounds like an <laughs> actor in a particular type of film, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I've
0: seen well, that Well, maybe one. he was. It was good. Uh, Barry Bummers. The,
1: <laughs> wow. uh, the other thing that that, uh, that strikes me, that, to your observation, Moynihan, Claire Lehman from Quillette mm-hmm. uh, was pointing this out, actually in reaction to this dumb uh, uh, kind of uh, kerfuffle and ideas about uh, you know, you know the political spectrum, which is a ridiculous idea to begin with, because there shouldn't, there isn't one spectrum, and all of us as individuals listening or participating in this do not contain a single spectrum, uh, man. Wow, uh, but wow. which is that? <laughs> she You're says that when I was attacked, like <laughs> back when she was, uh, back when she was defending Australia's uh, terrible uh, COVID things against the uh, the righties. Down. Uh, she's like, ah, oh, it's not as bad as you think. And it's yeah. being exaggerated and et cetera. She was kind of going, uh, you know, zippo on us, yeah, uh, talking much. about it. Uh, and she point, she said this, I wouldn't say pointed it out. Um, uh, cause I I think it's a weakness in her, although I'm glad that she uh, copped to it, but that when she used to be attacked by the left, she found herself moving rightward and then when this happened during COVID and suddenly everyone on the right was attacking her, she found herself moving leftward. And I just would like to, to beseech everyone listening to this. I hope this is your natural inclination anyways. What I'm about to say is, like, just stop giving a shit uh, about where you are or like, with, or who's attacking you and what that means about the things. Just, like, it's cool to be yourself and not to worry about this shit. Like, the, the, I never understand the idea of what happens if everyone attacking you is coming from this one direction. Therefore, you're going to change your views about the how size does, and scope of government. Happen? Like, what? It doesn't make any no, sense. No, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it really doesn't.
2: There's, uh, there was moments when I was considering myself more libertarian than other moments, and I hated everybody on the same side
1: of me. I mean, I just it was just like, <laughs> I didn't want to have any association with
2: these people, but it wasn't going to change my mind on it. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: I mean, why? Why should it change? If, if the the closest thing that it would come is that when people who are kind of broadly in your camp annoy you so much, you kind of want to take a sidestep. Um, but it, that is almost usually on an interpersonal kind of level. Like this category, this subcategory of libertarians over here, you know damn well are going to be really kind of interested in making this crappy argument that always irritates who are the ones that, um, did,
2: that was the new Hampshire one that you, that you sent me that?
1: Oh, I mean, if you just follow the uh, new Hampshire libertarian party <laughs> feed, is which is uh, taken over by, uh, by, uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, uh, <laughs> crazy. a lot of, uh, Twitter feeds and, and also organizations within the libertarian party, uh, state by state things have been taken over by, uh, this organization that uh, calls itself the Mises caucus, um, the best tweet uh, was
2: um, Marjorie Taylor Greene didn't go far enough, and January 6th didn't go far enough. It was literally yeah. a tweet from the you know, I was is, like, it, didn't is, go that, far enough. Libertarian is that party. Mises caucus who's operating That's that? That's the fucking that? moron
1: caucus. That's Jeremy Kaufman, uh, who, who literally who's operating that, who is a uh, a big trollish character who likes to outrage people and it's like I know, out- just went mean- out see
2: I'm just too old to get outraged, I guess. I saw that like January 6th didn't go far enough, and I'm like that's dumb, and I changed the channel. Yeah, <laughs> that
1: was, that no, was and it. and like everything they say about Ukraine is just uh, oh, yeah. it's 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 remarkable yeah. to to look at. Yeah. Uh, but Nazis. yeah, I mean, I have the kind of the same re- reaction, which is not to change any of my politics or, or beliefs and stuff. It's just like I don't. I will try hard to not read this Twitter feed because it's awful, and I, I I'm not like the act of of uh, look at me, I'm trolling is as boring as as punching your own self in the nuts. I, think there's like, I two, just don't understand the there's point There's two
2: of instincts in life when you hate everybody that you're around. If you're one of those people, like me, who when you're around a certain group of people, you cannot stop thinking about how much you loathe all of them. You go into a coffee shop in Williamsburg and you're like, man, I really wish that the Ukrainian military would send one of those UAVs up and I'll give them the coordinates and they'll just blow this fucking thing up right now with me in it. I don't care as long as i get this thing just flattened i would be so happy but my instinct there is not to be like i need to make these people mad i need to attack them i was like i just need to make fun of them like there's the instinct that some people have which is like to make to make jokes about them and the other ones which is to lose their fucking mind and troll and become that like james Lindsay guy and it's like that just seems like not a healthy way of living it's just – maybe it's just me, but –
1: Yeah, and I mean you're just you, – um, tro- trolling too in its own way is like defining yourself based on other or, – or or the perceptions of other people's uh, ideas and behaviors. It's like, what? Well, how about you just wake up and live your life and be your own authentic self? It's also just bad and, comedy like, most stop of the worrying. time. It's like
2: – you're like, oh, you don't even get it. He's trolling. I'm like, that's not a good joke if I have no idea what's <laughs> happening. Like, I don't, you don't understand that the thing that he see said that sounds like he means it, he actually doesn't mean it. I'm like, that's a joke? <laughs> right. I don't understand. Is that right. like, what if Richard Pryor did that and came out and just did? It's kind of like Andy Kaufman, just came out and just say a bunch of things and be like, okay, bye and just walk out I all right, maybe
1: which at least he was was funny funny. he was funny especially when he wasn't funny yeah yeah, uh, well he famously my
2: favorite Andy Kaufman is when he came out and started reading The Great Gatsby and people and like just as long as he could and people started booing and he stopped and he stopped (laughs) and he's like I'm sorry it's a very long book could you please could you please (laughs) like that's funny I guess that's "quote unquote" yeah. trolling, but it's just like, yeah, no, it's just being funny.
1: Uh, speaking of funny, is there anything associated with the date May eighteenth that's worth just referencing momentarily here, Camille? Oh,
0: I mean, we're, we're going to do a live Book show. Day? We're going to do a live show in New York. You you can't get tickets yet, um, but we will Soon. announce details about how to get tickets when the Fifth Column Substack goes live. Um, and the expectation is that it will in fact go live on uh, on Cinco de Mayo. Which yeah. I mean, if you don't know what that is, it's because you're racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's May fifth, uh, so you'll be able to get the details the, there. Yeah, and the 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 Subscribers the only will be able to, and, and I mean, like you know, actually teammates, people who are down with the cause, folks who are mm-hmm. already paid subscribers to Patreon, who've been given that that three month of wonderfulness, they'll they'll be able to see the details and, and get tickets. You get uh, in a free month, like, so you should pay for the ticket. Um, but uh, <laughs> not discounts. No, I mean, there, there are some comp tickets as a result tickets, of but... being, being, being down with the gang. But May eighteenth, um, by the way, just Reggie Jackson. We hope Jackson's to see birthday. you there. Yeah, we do hope to see it's you there. There will, so. there will be uh, surprise guests as per usual. It will be a great time, um, and we'll be uh, convening afterwards for for some drinks and in general revelry. Yeah. Um After uh, after we have uh, a phenomenal phenomenal recording at the uh, Village Underground in New York, but more details to follow. But yes, May eighteenth. So that, Village
2: Underground, is which is one of the three uh, clubs in the Comedy Cellars constellation. Uh, there's uh, they're all within a block of each other on McDougal Street. Yeah. I think that's on West Third Street. But yeah. it's a bigger room than what where, where we did the first show in New York, which is the Comedy Cellar. I think it was about maybe double the capacity or something so yeah so it should be a lot of people there and it should be fun and then yeah as camille said afterwards we'll we'll retire somewhere the three of us and uh, everybody who came to the show if you so desire to have drinks um some place close by
0: yeah, I've done I've done events there in the past. Um, they were they were sold out. They were spectacular. So if this one doesn't go well, the two of you are to blame and not me because I've got a track record. You've so got a track record. Just put put it there. What event was? I'm that? Just saying that it was successful. The last event that I did. What there, did you do? Hosted there. It was a like a flu game. It was me and some guys. Who? Jonathan Haidt, Andrew Sullivan were there. Oh, you mean the people that, that filled fire. that filled the place. No, I was me. People <laughs> came to see me. I was the actual yeah. star of that evening. I've been told that over and over again. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I yeah. love when he
2: says these things, and he's like talking to himself, and he's like, "No, I've been told that. No, I am the star. I am the star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You are a star." Yeah. Is actually what I said. Well, we'll let you mirror. be the. We'll, we'll, per- so we'll pretend we let thing.
0: you be the star on, the, yeah. on May 18th. Yeah. You need me, and Brown. this will be. The, not show to, up. are now <laughs>
1: will be the uh, last uh, regular episode before the uh, shift n- before the shift the shift yes, so all of you quickening. listen to this, uh, for free here's the exciting part of it um you can still subscribe for free over at Substack, and you get all kinds of stuff that you don't get currently just by listening to this but a much better play is to actually subscribe by giving us money um and you if you subscribe you for free like for they
2: for have in love it. with Substacks, you get absolutely nothing <laughs> you can still get the podcast like you normally and all your podcast players and everything but, yeah. you know, it's time. Get off yeah. the fence. We'll go, go find us over it. We give 75% of all the money we get on Substack to Ukraine. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. And, the, and that then that 10% of that goes to Michael Tracy. <laughs> so he can find his way home. Who's <laughs> walking around Scotland taking pictures of signs of people supporting Ukraine and saying, what is wrong with you? And they're like, well, who are
0: you? <laughs> go home. <laughs> so you could you could find us at <laughs> we the fifth dot com and of course uh, we the fifth dot substack dot com where you can uh, you can sign up for the list and you'll be there when the the page goes live and, yeah. and you're able to to interact Hopefully, with we,
1: us. So we'll it's gonna be it's, musical- gonna be it's gonna be Musical theater with Nina Jankowitz is what I'm hoping for. Hello, my Hi. baby. <laughs> I doubt that seriously. It's the misinformation
2: rag. God, what a um, fucking theater kid.
0: Nina, Nina Jankowitz, <laughs> who is is going to be the newly appointed head of the Disinformation Governance Board, which was announced Great. earlier this week. Great. Um, it will be game. a part of the Homeland of, of Homeland Security, one of of storied one of the most storied departments uh, best department. in the federal bureaucracy. Um, one that, along with the uh, the Department of Education, I have been waiting for a very long time to to see it shuttered. Because what the fuck?
2: I think I was asking for the Department of <laughs> Education to be shuttered when they were starting the Department of Homeland Security, yeah. which is our youngest <laughs> and dumbest department. Uh, it was it two thousand two that it actually yeah, yeah. was? At, yeah. was up and running in two thousand two.
0: Yeah, and it and it just keeps getting dumber. Yeah, people have appropriately re- regarded this as something that that sounds like it's out of 1984. Kind of sounds like Ministry of Truth in some respects. the The purpose, the stated purpose of this organization is to help combat disinformation coming out of Russia. Specifically, they flagged like something related to to the border. Um, claiming that there had been a surge of illegal migrations because people had been told by nefarious foreign actors that Joe Biden said things that um, he didn't in fact say, I'm not, I'm not sure how true that is, that that is what caused the pandemonium at the border, but whatever I don't think he would know either. <laughs> <laughs> that, but, it, but it goes on to say that beyond this, this mandate, the this specific project of trying to combat misinformation about the border, there is a broader concern about various things that might be described as Russian misinformation, and there's there's enough ambiguity about what the mandate of this entity is to make uh, and I think some of the prior statements of uh what what's her name Jakowitz Nina
2: Jankowitz. J- Jankowitz
0: Jankowitz uh, yeah there's there's enough there's enough hey, concern Jankowitz. <laughs> enough concern Jankowitz. based on Ms. Jankowitz. <laughs> prior statements um that you know we, it's worth i think spending a little bit of time talking about i don't know if the if the biden administration will perhaps decide they'll, they'll find religion and decide to just fold this thing up because the rollout has been so absolutely terrible um but I maybe mean, not it
1: doesn't help that there's easily available uh video of nina jankowitz the singing um show tunes about misinformation and disinformation yeah in the, the voice of uh, Mary, Mary Poppins, Poppins and doing yeah. jazz hands on uh, TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's not, that isn't underlying the seriousness. That's of, what you do. You do. Now. It's that's like every you kid now. you wanted to beat up <laughs> in high school. <laughs> <laughs> the, do, would you believe that there is a there, a small, small subset of people who are pretending to be outraged that those of us are laughing at her ridiculous wizard Theater and other uh, kind of uh, Capital Steps uh, it light. is definitely Capital
2: um, Steps. Yes. <laughs> mean, if you don't know people like Capital Steps, is I I pray mm-hmm. that you never find out. That's as far as I'm going to go.
1: Just the worst f- song and dance oh like weird owl shit from DC. I think they've been euthanized to finally. I think, so, yeah. I think the uh, the pandemic finally knocked them out. But uh, no, I was just passing around before we started. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, some footage of her doing a uh, musical theater uh, like on stage uh, in 2020, about nevertheless, she perceived uh, sort of a, a pro Elizabeth Warren kind of uh, rap. Um, it's uh, excruciating, but the most important thing is it's so funny. It's just really, really funny. And I love the idea that that, that people are, are pretending um, to be outraged. Like, what What relevance does that have to her job? I don't understand why you would bring this up. I don't understand why you would share her um, doing a Mary Poppins um, video about misinformation from 2017 where she makes a fool out of – or 2019 makes a fool. Why would you do that? It's the fucking internet. <laughs> That's what the internet does. It's for pornography
2: and sharing embarrassing clips. <laughs> it's hamsters. like the beginning of, of the wide world of sports. You remember the agony of defeat <laughs> yeah. and there's the guy on yeah. the skis like crashing and stuff? That's what you want to see, right? So that's like the internet <laughs> just distilled that. We didn't have to wait for Jim McKay to show us somebody running into a tree on skis. That's all the internet is. It's just like constant loops of people doing stupid and funny things. And you get nominated to the, you know, had this kind of Orwellian titled, or by the way, Candace, uh, Candace Owen, who. Um, oh, no thought the Ministry of Truth was uh, something from Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Did you see that? Now. That was pretty great. Did she? Did she really?
0: Yeah, did. Oh, wow. God, I've but never she's read so Harry... widely
2: read. When she said she was widely read, she she just meant she read all the Harry <laughs> Potter books. And there are like six of them, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I, that's what, yeah. you know, that's what you do. You kind of joke about this. And you remember what happened in the early days of the internet before youtube it took effort do you remember john ashcroft let the eagle soar
1: let the eagle soar mm. which by the way was mocked on every single let late night e- comedy oh, show my God. as soar. it should have been because yes. it, it was ridiculous yes. <laughs> larry Cl- craig was in the singing senators oh. a barbershop quartet oh yeah oh yeah they they, they do uh a, a, a version of elvira i had i i I just started going down the rabbit hole and sharing on Twitter in probably oh the world's <laughs> you said biggest Larry hate Craig, crime. I
2: began going down the rabbit hole. Oh yeah. I don't know here. A, lot of, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of holes. Yeah, yeah. Minneapolis Airport. Really that's, uh, that's,
1: that's, Senator Robert Bird.
0: Tapped him shoes.
1: Uh, Robert <laughs> Bird. I that. discovered today made a pretty darn good uh, 1978 bluegrass uh, fiddle record. He's doing Cripple Creek. Senator Robert Byrd. Was he in the Klan, um, then? That you could, uh, <laughs> he, he was a little post-Klan.
2: little post-Klan still well, pretty racist uh, yeah still yeah pretty yeah. Racist.
1: yeah uh no it's remarkable he's doing bluegrass uh, because
2: he's doing like the least black music you can find <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little fiddle s- foot stomping playing the jug
1: <laughs> but in case anyone is dissatisfied with <laughs> just laughing a lot at uh j edgar jazz hands yeah. as, <laughs> as iowa hot called that's yeah, amazing um would be fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, jazz I, it's it's my contention, and Michael and Camille might have different ideas, yeah, about this. um That the you federal like her. Go- you like government, you want to do it. yeah. Well, I, I really wanted to be in the May 18th show.
2: Yeah, we should have her come on. Yeah. She should open. She'd be good. Yeah, she be good. Uh, She'd do like three numbers from Cats.
1: And then just disappear. <laughs> Get her one of those movie cat's costumes and huh. right butthole. Maybe I should um, do.
0: Maybe I should do a number from um, Phantom of the Opera. That is something I've always Phantom wanted the to the do my on God, stage. You walk
1: out it's with like a, a, a half white face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh God, it's like a dream come true. Yeah, it's a very Hello. Uncle Ruckus thing to suggest yeah. there, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Go to white uh, heaven. No, uh-huh. I, it's,
1: my, it's my contention that the federal government shouldn't have an uh a, a disinformation czar, um, because no. hmm. uh, among a other bold things, bold position there, Matt. I know. Let me try to explain myself. Yeah, um, that uh, if 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 disinformation is a problem, and 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 let's let's not define the word, but let's just sort of said like untruths out there in the world that are widely disseminated, uh, cause problems in the world, and and we should, it's worth thinking about. Um. The single best thing that the federal government could do is to tell the truth right like uh, and I'm not even being a jackass about this. There are actually government setups uh, federal government setups that are that are helpful about information. The inspectors general at every federal department do some of the best internal reports. They just basically call bullshit on their own departments uh, every couple of years to do a, like a pretty thorough going audit or they'll investigate some controversy, they'll cough up a lot of documents. they have subpoena power or at least investigatory power. Um, and they do good work doing that. Um, if the federal government really cared about this, for instance like during a pandemic, I don't know, um, they might um, wake up in the morning and say, did we lie? where, who did it? and let's uh, let's like come clean about it. Apologize for it and try to put in systems so that this thing that costs us at this point six to seven trillion dollars a year, which the federal government, um, uh, and has a uh, monopoly power on force and a bunch of other stuff. Um, if that stops lying as much, then that would be the best start of this D- D- kind of Is power. it
2: true? And I think Camille's on his on his lippy, as they say in uh, Australia, as Josh Zapps would say. Um, You can maybe check this for me. Didn't she tweet something um, about uh, how Facebook or something shouldn't be having ads for masks? Am I right? Hmm. Yeah, she did. Okay, she did. I didn't see that. I did see that she
0: tweeted about um, how Hunter Biden's laptop was uh, definitely some sort of Russian disinformation. Okay, so she's zero
2: for two as far as. (laughs) No, I mean she. Her she has a piece that Camille was was uh,
1: sending around from the Washington Post in 2017, where she sounds like an earnest 27 year old who was thinking about grad school and toured abroad a little bit. And she regurgitated as a baseline fact that we are in the midst of an information war with Russia that we are obviously losing. And to that assertion, I would just encourage people to reflect on the last two months. How's that Russian information war gap going for Russia now that there's an actual war? Are they winning that war? Are the, are the tools they had to hire they Michael have Tracy? Just...
2: No, I'm joking. That's, that's a joke. That's a joke. No, I, they're,
1: they're, they are so much losing the propaganda they war. Yeah. They are mangling the information. The information is self evidently getting screwed up within Russia itself, like in the in the uh, information supply chain going up to Putin. Um, and we're going to think that that really inept uh, country. Somehow masterminded and pulled all the right levers, not just in the United States in 2016, but in all these countries, including the Czech Republic and elsewhere in Europe. No, no. we got that wrong, too. They don't have that power. There's
2: two things. I mean, you, you're right that they approach us as if it's self-evident that, that there is a information war going on and it's a close race. Right. Or it's a close war. I mean, these are skirmishes and battles that both sides are winning. That's wrong. Right. It's, it's wildly wrong. And it wasn't even right in 2016. Um, you know, the Facebook ads and this sort of thing. So that premise is, is I think, wrong. And, um, but there's one thing I'd add to that. When you create an office of misinformation or to combat misinformation, when you go on television and talk about it, when you write about it in The Washington Post, you're presuming that there's a, a agreed upon and shared definition of the word misinformation. And no one has decided to do the hard work of figuring out what that is, because if there are things when, I mean, because people cry misinformation all the time when they mean, I disagree with your ideological position. When you say, you know, it is a good idea to do X or Y, because of X or Y study. And maybe that study is like in dispute or something. That's misinformation. You see a lot of that in COVID, right? And there's a lot of things where if you look back at how things were reported, how science was reported, how things have changed. I mean, all you have to go do, and nobody is doing the accounting on this, by the way, because once you say something, there's so much information out there that you don't really have to go back and contend with it after you say something crazy or say something that turns out to be wrong, because it's just a fire hose of information. But it's worth going back and looking at the at the numbers when people said these are the numbers of people because we've done this with people who who got it wrong in the other direction. Um, but the millions are going to die. the The death uh, rate will be about two percent, one and a half percent, things like that. Go back and look at that stuff. All that and, and I'm very sympathetic to those people. Because, you know, we didn't really know a lot and people were kind of groping in the dark and, you know, better to be cautious when the thing is moving that fast, et cetera. I agree with all of that. But, you know, if you go back and say this is misinformation, that's misinformation. I mean, I have, we've talked about this a lot in the show and we need a shared definition of this, but I don't think we do actually. I would say if we're going to do these government kind of boondoggles, quangos, then I would say that you need one. But I don't think... We do need one because I think we should retire the word. And there's a lot of more useful words out there. Misinformation is a political word. It mm-hmm. is not a word that is trying to get to some truth uh, that is being distorted by people who have, you know, nefarious designs on American domestic politics, European European domestic politics. I mean, all of this presumes there's a table in the Lubyanka in Moscow, the FSB building. They get around and they say, let's come up with a bunch of stuff that isn't true. And we're going to broadcast it. And they do that. That's actually true. So we've seen that in the, in, in the war in Ukraine where the uh, train station uh, bombing a right. uh, missile hit that. They said it was fake. They said, um, we got them because they were you know, shipping munitions. And then it turned out there were people or young children and women. And then they said, oh, well, it it actually did happen. And it was the Ukrainians who did it. And then they create these elaborate narratives. The problem is, is that pompous assholes who spend all of their time at Ivy League schools, going into government, going to, you know, taking foreign service exams, living in D.C., living in New York, doing these far afield postings, have no sense of how people consume information. They presume that if something gets out there, and if the eyes and the ears—the eyes hit it, and the ears hit it—then it's likely to convince them,
1: you know, and that that explains political or public opinion things that they that they are might losing, befuddling because they disagree. Yes, with. yeah. So
2: when they lose, it's a great, it's a you know, very easy to say that it's because I mean they would agree with me if if all these other people weren't lying so much. It's the constant false consciousness thing, but you know, w- the problem with this is. There's nothing ever quantifiable. When we're talking about accuracy, we're talking about, you know, um, particularly when it comes to science and like there's data. Okay, here's the thing, guys. Give me some data. Show me something. Not some bullshit study because there's so many of these bullshit studies that shows me that people are being persuaded by misinformation because the mission creep is going to happen and it's already happening. Tucker Carlson, misinformation. Uh, Maybe just disagree with him. Well, he's saying things that aren't true. Well, yes. I mean, it's also cable news. I mean, as Joy Reid said last week, I tweeted this, and I very rarely tweet, that um, Elon Musk is from South Africa, true, and that he misses the days of apartheid, Mm. and this is his way of bringing it back. That is the the most disgusting thing I had heard on television in a very long time. Somebody who, by the way... If you go back, because these people don't do, do any research, they're complete morons. I mean, Joy Reid is not a smart person. I mean, you go watch her for five seconds. And it's, and it's all acting. The acting's really bad, too. It's like watching a bad, uh, you know, telenovela every night because it's overacted and pretending to be outraged and care about these things. I mean, do you think she ever saw the clip of him being interviewed by Rain Wilson, of all people, in which he says, she, he says, why, how did you get to America? Turn left to Greenland. Uh, how did you? How did you? <laughs> it's a Beatles reference. How did you get to? What brought you here? Well, I was going to be conscripted into the army, and I didn't want to be conscripted into that fucking racist army of South Africa. Who wants to be in the to race? Repress. He literally says this. Black He's thing. like, you know, I mean. So the one thing you have him on the record saying about South Africa that I could find is that it's too racist. I'm leaving, and is that misinformation? Because will people believe that? I mean see this is the kind of when you put it all under this roof that there is a problem it is called misinformation and we must combat it and we don't have that definition um everything starts getting hoovered up into it right and that's why you don't want an organization run by the government that is adjudicating you know what is what is and then what is to be done about misinformation
1: James Bovard a great cranky old libertarian dude Um, who's been really good on civil liberties over the years, had a column I think yesterday in the New York Post about this, uh, that to summarize the claim, misinformation is a name recently that the kind of journalistic and media elites have been giving to stories Mm -hmm. that haven't been adjudicated or like reported out yet, but that they assume has a political bent of it and they don't like it and so they preemptively call it misinformation before they actually know the end of the story, mm-hmm. which is a long way to describe the Hunter Biden laptop story. But but also other things like if it smells wrong, if you can see the, you know, the the greasy motivations of political actors near it, and that's detectable from the beginning, as was the case. in the You know, you see like a sweaty, uh, you know, Rudy Giuliani on this and it smells funny. It absolutely smells funny. But to conclude that it's misinformation before you know the the end of the story is a way to kind of preemptively just put things in that direction. And that happened. And that was, if anything, that was the most common journalistic error um, during the whole Russia uh, and Mueller investigation Mm -hmm. kind of gate, because there are a lot of things. There's a lot of flop sweat. There are a lot of activities that looked funny, um, but that were still being investigated and hadn't totally all the dots hadn't been connected. Um, And so people uh, would jump to those conclusions or would jump to the conclusions that people kind of pushing something else were guilty of that kind of obfuscation and misinformation and then would speak about it as if that's just so self-evidently true that, you know, Mm. this has already been proved that this is a, uh, you know, a Russian uh, FSB kind of play um, just because you found some, you know, thrice retired former CIA guy. Um, or, to, or 90 uh, of a, them. Well, allege that's, that's that a, on yeah. a cable news show. Yeah. And like, no, actually, like the the verification, that's what in the in the journalism navel gazing biz, that's what they used to talk about. Like, what is the thing that separates journalism from non-journalism? It should be that verification process. And it's interesting that in all of the three uh, definitions of what journalism should be doing these days, that word has dropped out has absolutely dropped out.
0: Yeah, the irony of the of the misinformation disinformation panic is the kernel of seriousness in that. Of course, it is true that the Russians engage in campaigns of kind of pushing false narratives and deliberately directing them at the American people. What is also true though is that the scope and effectiveness of those campaigns <laughs> is something we can only speculate about, but for the most part Like, does not seem to be terribly profound. What was that incredible sting operation in Ukraine? They found all of this stuff inside of a house. Um, including three copies of The Sims, oh yeah, the video yeah. game, yeah. Yeah. So alongside yeah. a bunch of Nazi paraphernalia. The
2: best was the Nazi T-shirt, which is yeah. a red T-shirt with the swastika, and it's like the Nazis actually like and you're like, eh, like, put like on a t-shirt. The, I supposed <laughs> to get t shirt and I have a picture of Hitler in my pocket, yes, <laughs> literally like a Hitler picture, like a eight by ten, and, and yeah, it leaned it up against hilarious. the speaker, it's like a yeah. per- like a
0: Dell speaker <laughs> from 1996, <laughs> yeah. and 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 you could just you could imagine there was a memo that was sent around put some sim cards there (laughs) sim cards okay three copies of the sims
2: no and not even the sims the sims 3 (laughs) so you clearly it was written like sim like sim 3 yeah but no i don't don't know why we're doing this but i suppose this is very crazy i don't know maybe nazi video again As a point of clarification, though, the Nina Jankovic thing, and just, to, just to clarify this, is yeah. that the, the, the name of the, or, the, the outfit is using the word disinformation, and disinformation mm-hmm. being distinct in the sense that it is by design uh, made to – but this is, again, it's a hard distinction mm-hmm. to determine, right? Is this something that, that is designed you know, in a lab in Russia to confuse the issue, whatever the issue might be? Uh, Whereas misinformation is somebody who could be misinformed on Facebook because they've been reading, you know, OAN or Joy Read and then just spreading this stuff around. And that's the distinction. But that distinction gets blurred and the words are too close and they're used interchangeably. But as as to your point, Camille, is that that is the thing that nobody wants to try to quantify is the effectiveness. Give me a story that has been propagated by the russians that we know is misin a disinformation um, in the past two years try to find one i mean are are there some yeah sure there's probably a a bunch tell me one that's been effective and discovered Mm -hmm. um that would be hard whereas you know i look back and i say you know i was thumbing through vincent bugliosi's book reclaiming history Last night, which is one of the biggest books ever written. I think it's over. Not Dan Bongino's new book? It is Dan Bongino's uh, brother, (laughs) Vincent Bongino. And it's called I Like the Pizza. It's (laughs) it's an Italian cookbook. Bongo, bongo. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. Oh, God. But in it, there's a reference to the fake um, Lee Harvey Oswald letter that was sent uh, supposedly to Howard Hunt. To E. Howard Hunt, the mysterious E. Howard Hunt, in Mexico, Um, that was effective in the sense that you know conspiracy theorists loved that stuff, and a lot of that stuff was because Lee Harvey Oswald had defected to the Soviet Union, and it's quite obvious that the Soviets were nervous, and on you know November twenty fourth, nineteen sixty three, that they're going to be blamed for assassinating a, a, a well loved. President, and they started a disinformation campaign of putting out information that would suggest that they were not responsible for it, and it was actually a CIA job. All that stuff, CIA, LBJ stuff—that all comes from Russia. I mean, starts a lot of it starts there, and, and is is brought in different directions. But that stuff was kind of effective. So if you look back, and here's a slight history lesson for people who are throwing these words around. Go back, there's, there's a very, very good book that came out in 1999 called the, um, the Sword and the Shield. No, it wasn't The Sword and the Shield. It was The Sword and the Shield. It was, it was a book by Christopher Andrews and, and Vasily Matrokin. And Matrokin had been writing down, um, he was a KGB guy, and he had been writing down, copying uh, stuff from the archives, hiding in it at home every day, small, hand, copying and copying, amazing archive. Stuff has been confirmed over and over again, too. And the Matrokin book has a lot of stuff about black propaganda. And the KGB would plant things typically in weird newspapers in India. A lot of them started in India and sometimes in the Middle East. And they would cycle through and they had this passage where they would go. And they'd be laundered through all these things. It's really hard to do that now. It's really hard to do what the KGB was so good at doing in the past where that kind of disinformation spread far and wide. And it's still being shot down stuff that is still being debunked um, that came from, from the Communist Party in, in, in Moscow. What happens now? What's the modern version of this? What is the version that is getting out there where you have a million fact-checkers on Twitter that can shoot this stuff down almost immediately? War propaganda in 1943, 1944 versus war propaganda now? I mean, all you see is people questioning stuff on Twitter and there's been the pushback a lot on a lot of Ukraine stuff because Ukraine has been very good at propagandizing and there should be because that's, you know, they're trying to win a war. It's quite different, but there's a lot of people out there that are trying to debunk this stuff. And there's like a real active. So the idea that we need some government agency presumes that there's not a million freelance people out there always trying. I mean, where the fuck do you think Bellingcat came from, which is one of the most impressive outfits you know, operating today, so brilliant. Like, the stuff that they do is so crazy. I mean, they get leaked, they buy telephone exchange records from Russians, hackers and things. They've, you know, identified FSB agents that were involved in operations to kill people by name and then had, like, Navalny called the guy that poisoned him, pretended to be somebody else in the FSB. The call's amazing. You can look it up. Like, there's people doing this stuff all the time. The government agency presumes that this stuff is running rampant. It's having it's having a deleterious effect on you know the healthy body politic, and it's not being checked. And that's not true, at all in any way.
1: Yeah, I think that there's a in in the setup of their approach. There's almost a deliberate uh, or uh, a collapse between the D and the M of disinformation and misinformation because uh, clearly one of the things that animates them, gives people a sense of anxiety, is, for instance, how many Republicans think that January six was, or not January six, but that the election itself was stolen, um, that January 6th was, was righteous, at least in its approach, or, but it's not even a, a judgment call, but just like, believes all the conspiratorial nonsense that the Trump legal team threw out in their uh, um, attempt to adjudicate the election results, um, and so... People feel a sense of anxiety about that, which is uh, uh, of people's willingness to believe what isn't true um, and then try to attach a strategic importance of it of like, well, there's these nefarious actors who are engaged in an information war um, that are really uh, like moving the needle on a bunch of things. Those are separate, dude. Like occasionally there will be uh, attempts to kind of, Marry those. You know, there's definitely Russians are trying whatever they can at any given point and affecting that a little bit. But ultimately, those are like separate issues. And uh, and actually, Nina Jankowicz's in previous writing about this, um, she kind of is almost getting to that conclusion. Like she talks about we don't need another fact checker. We need to proactively bridge the trust gap. Well, that's great and that's nice, but that doesn't mean, like, what is that? Um, you know, you teach media literacy, uh, it's, encourage journalists yeah. to cover things that, that uh, are where communities uh, feel like that they've lost trust. So it quickly becomes these kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, goo goo sentiments that are kind of hard to actualize and that government doesn't necessarily make better and often usually makes worse. But uh, at the root of it, I think, is that um, kind of mixed up collapse between the misinformation or let's like substitute that word for people believing stuff and spreading around stuff that ain't true yeah. um, uh, with, oh, I mean, nefarious governments are trying to plant false stories for effect. I agree. I don't think there's a lot of evidence. I mean, Russia during this during this uh, war uh, what have they been able to plant successfully as a false story? I mean, the closest that it can it come is sort of mobile um, uh, chemical weapons labs in Ukraine. And um, those things pretty much journalistically were uh, shot down, well attacked, very, very quickly, uh, yeah. shot down pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, and it's 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 a way for elites to express their disdain that Americans are believing both. Uh, things that are rubbish and things that the elites themselves don't agree with or don't like.
2: Can I, can I suggest something here? I don't know if this is true. But if you go back in time, I mean, there, there's, there's something that people don't really focus too much on is when, you, to your point, Matt, when people see January 6th stuff and they say, look at the number of people that believe X or Y that's not true mm-hmm. January 6th. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, this is what happens and they're always breaking it down like the Fox viewers think this. and. And I'm um, not going my mic, sorry. Um, and the Fox viewers uh, believe this, and OAN viewers believe this, and CNN viewers, et cetera. Um, here's the thing, is that that's always been the case for team players. And in 2000, there was not going to be anyone on the Republican side who were active Republicans. Like, you know, real ideological Republicans, listen to Rush Limbaugh, et cetera that was going to think that Al Gore won that election. It doesn't matter what. You could have showed them a butterfly Uh ballot. No one is going to think that, right? Yeah. Immediately after that, this is all before YouTube, by the way. Immediately after that, you have people in 2002 already, including mainstream publishing houses, publishing books, that say 9-11 was an inside job. The Bush administration not only knew about it, but they actually Uh were complicit in it. This is before Uh YouTube, right? And there are people that were just like, yep, 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 and you would meet them. And they would gather in certain places, and there was no Fox News, there was no cable news that was producing this. In the 1990s, I always point out the Clinton death lists, that the Clinton Chronicles, the VHS tape that I think was made by Jerry Falwell. All this stuff was circulating. The Arkansas Project from the American Spectator saying, you know, Bill Clinton was running drugs from the MENA airport in Arkansas. All this wild, wild stuff. Everyone believed it. It was always broadcast on Rush Limbaugh. Should we have shut Rush Limbaugh down? I think the thing that nobody is really paying attention to now is that the team players, it's widened. There's so many more team players now. The culture war has turned everybody into a political animal in so many ways. Twitter has helped turn everybody into a political animal in so many ways. And by the way, I will actually go to one of these weird lengths that people will roll their eyes at. I think wokeness in some ways is responsible for politic uh, radicalizing so many people into politics in which they become team players, essentially. I made a joke about the totally bizarre James Lindsay character who started off as this kind of anti-woke guy and wrote this book uh, with a, this woman named Helen Pluckrose, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then all of a sudden.
0: You wrote a couple books together, I
2: think. Yeah. And then goes yeah. off the deep end. And having been so kind of politicized and kind of radicalized in this kind of, you know, Trump is the only one who can deliver us from from this. I remember that being kind of one of the themes Mm -hmm. prior to the 2020 election. And I see this like, you know, I mean, I interviewed Brett Weinstein when, when he was a day after, two days after all that shit happened to him at Evergreen. And I'm not saying that they're comparable people at all, but I do definitely see somebody who's very much more politicized uh, than he was when I met him that day. And these, and I'm not saying that he's doing anything wrong. I'm just saying the environment makes people super political. who mm-hmm. th- otherwise wouldn't have been. And so I think that like all of those people, and I'm not, I don't mean to b- blame or suggest that, that either James Lindsay or, or Brett Weinstein have any views or noxious views or anything. I'm not saying that at all. But when you have people in the past, if it's nine eleven conspiracy theory, it's the Clinton stuff, it's the you know, it's the election conspiracy theories of two thousand four in Ohio, it's the election in two thousand and in, in, in you know Florida, and Pat Buchanan's you know, getting so many votes, etc. If that was happening to that many people without all of these tribunes, without all of these places where that we're hoovering up, you know, ideas and you know, getting you know, overly politicized, talking about politics too much, and that didn't really exist. You know, the Ron Paul, Ron Paul had to have a newsletter. He didn't have a Twitter feed. It didn't have some website that had a bunch of bad shit stuff on it. Now that's available to everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not about misinformation. It's not about like you know. I just need to train you how to consume media. You know, all the people that I think have terrible ideas and consume terrible media are amazingly smart people who went to very good schools. How are we going to train them to be, no, it's tribal stuff. You need to figure out how to make people less tribal. And then maybe you'll stop doing this. You know,
0: I suspect this is why we spend so much time talking about overstatement and hysteria yeah. in the culture wars. There is a uh, uh, two instincts that seem somewhat opposite, but lead to the same place. This desperation that comes about when you believe the most apocalyptic Thing about the other team and what they're doing, how sinister and darkly effective they're going to be. Qanon yeah, right. is right. is not just this conspiracy theory that's believed by Yahoos; it's everywhere. Like yeah, yeah, all of right. the Republicans are kind yeah. of there's supplication, and they must uh, abide by these loons, and, and they, they use must the language what they're doing, yeah. and it's yeah. just all of this thread connecting that that kind of leads you in a particular direction and you're either despondent because you believe things are so hopeless and there's nothing you can do about it or you're desperate because you think they're going to overtake you and it it all of it just creates this kind of reactionary fervor this froth and the only thing that matters is your team winning and you're willing to compromise everything you know i i know james lindsay and have talked to him in a couple of contexts i think talked to him at points where he certainly seemed a lot more reasonable than he does now. And I I can certainly say that that is the point of departure and perhaps has always been me feeling very uncomfortable with people who are inclined to believe that the confrontation with people on the left who are particularly invested in things like social justice, the belief that there is a, a kind of coherent Race Marxist thesis that all of them are operating under that is going to you know lead to all of the the corporations going woke and creating a dangerous woke super state and on the other extreme there's Jason Stanley and people who believe that there is this dark fascist cabal that is immediately about to come to power and that Trump is still the most important figure on the right and who Refuse to acknowledge, in some instances, the the degree to which his influence seems to be waning. Um, the degrees to which these people like are wearing two left shoes tied together, and they're stumbling all over themselves. Those defects ought to matter. Mm. The inconsistencies in the narrative ought to matter. But uh, that's
2: the thing that you're confronted with, Camille, in in some of these debates, particularly when it comes to like the CRT stuff. And we've talked about this, and I don't know, maybe we've talked about it a little bit on the show, is that idea that we have to abandon all principle because we keep losing and the other guys are not fighting fair, so it's time for us to not fight fair too. And if you want to keep being, oh, you're a Mr. Libertarian principle, Camille, where, you know, you're going to keep losing and we're not, we're going to win. And we're winning because we're calling people groomers and things like this. <laughs> and But, you know, the funny thing about it is that, is that it's, it, you know, nobody thinks two chess moves ahead of what happens to you when yeah. you no longer have principles, yeah. when you no longer have a set of beliefs that guides you, and it's only some... Team, team politics. I mean, what is the purpose of it all at that point? But it's also that nobody trusts you anymore. You know, I mean, you keep yeah. doing this for so long and you say, well, I believe in, you know, X and Y, but we should suspend... The, this is the, the parallel that people don't... We need to suspend civil liberties after 9-11 because we just need, for, we need to win right now. And I, mm-hmm. we all believe that civil liberties are great. We all know this is what this country is founded on, but we need to save the country so let's suspend civilization.
1: is not a suicide pact. <laughs> yeah, well, Zach, that's right. That's the thing, right?
2: Who said that initially? Who was the...
1: Lots of people. Lots of people. I remember hearing, <laughs> it,
2: but was there one person that was actually the original? It always person? works that
0: way. It becomes this popular thing. Everyone starts to say it just catches on. Everyone is being gaslit. Everyone is engaging in disinformation. It's never been a
2: suicide pact. It's never even <laughs> come close to being a suicide pact, by the way.
1: Yeah, and the people who were Very robust. in the early days after, after 9-11 saying slow down maybe we don't even need a department of Homeland security doesn't that name sound creepy homeland we have a homeland now that's not like what nationalists do like yeah I mean it's
2: also funny that the, the the it's homeland security it's under this umbrella of the disinformation uh squad or whatever the fuck it's called you know because I mean it's a, it's a great place where stupid ideas go to, to, uh, germinate and and, and flower and, and spread. And like, you know, I mean, this, this is, a, the whole thing drives me crazy. And it's, it all is tied into that same thing of like, you know, we can, we cannot play by the same rules. Um, we, we have to play by the same rules as, as the other people and the other people are just, you know, rolling around in the mud and we can't just sit here and have principles. What is the purpose let's, of politics if you if you don't if you don't have principle? To win. Yeah. To you win. Can, but no. To win. To
0: win and secure power. To secure power and influence for yourself.
1: Does Stephen Moore win? A lifetime economist for right wing and kind of like a, a principled libertarian conservative kind of mashup economics over the years. Did he win? By suddenly, in the year of Trump deciding that he was against free trade, repudiating 30 years of work. No, I don't want to hear another word he ever said.
2: Well it's also it's also true, Matt, is that you know Art Laffer told me that this was kind of a temporary thing on the road to success of this, you know Trump's tax cuts were the only things that he cared about. But you also don't pay attention to what the next administration is going to be when you inevitably lose because the next administration is going to hate trade just as much as these guys. And so now you're going to have an uninterrupted eight years, probably more, of mercantilist policies that are bad for the American economy, right? I mean, there's still some... have
1: national security tariffs against Ukraine, Gosh. high fucking five. I, and, 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 Way to go! And,
2: and it was and it was uh, met with outrage when somebody asked Gensaki today or yesterday, um, "What about rejiggering some of the tariffs on China to?" you know, help the economy. And she's like, well, we're talking about it. We're, think- we're thinking about it, and blah, blah, blah. But, you no, know, I mean, you wanted to win the presidency for four years in which the president buggered everything up in a way that anybody could have expected him to do. And now you're saddled with the trade policies of Donald Trump, which are happily and gleefully extended by the Democratic administration that comes in when you walk
1: out the door, obviously. After, after nice they had campaigned on them, yes, like every, everyone's happy. I want to get to a point that uh, marries a little bit about both of what you said, uh, guy said, because it's underrated. Which is that the idea that Camille was talking about of, of sort of like competence inflation, like the other guys, the evil the evildoers are incredibly sophisticated mm-hmm. and effective at what they do. They have a plan, um, can't you see? Yep. <laughs> there's there's a there's uh, an important element to that that's not just residing among people who have some influence in the world, but also through just individual consumers, people listening to this podcast. Mm. Um, when you have that sense of threat inflation about the other guy, um, one classic example is actually the Soviet Union, which was a real threat, mm. and there was it, it was an evil empire. Yeah. It's not you're not going to get much trouble getting some anti ruski shit on this podcast um, at, at any given time. However, um, the way that people uh, metabolized that and talked about it, they imagined that the uh, economies uh, in the Soviet Union and in the whole East Bloc were way more powerful yes. than, they, than they could have been. What they should have been imagining is that the spy networks were actually they kind were of more effective— good. They were pretty good. Uh, a couple other things were pretty good. Some like isolated bits of military technology were pretty good. But for the most part, after November 89 and after December of 1991, when we pulled back the Iron Curtain and looked around, it was fucking garbage. There's like stray It dogs. has always been fucking <laughs> Running garbage. <in> circles. Moscow <laughs> is the worst imperialist ever in that They need imperial territories not to loot the pores of their raw materials. No, they need rich people to steal from because they're poor, because they suck. They fuck up everything they touch. They always have. Tell me the last time Russia didn't fuck up whatever it touched. They're terrible. Russia is a bad place, a bad imperial country. And they do it by saying, "Okay, Ukraine, you're richer (laughs) <laughs> let's let's take your stuff you know, uh, uh, hungry, you're richer well, let's take your stuff and leech off of you, this is a historical pattern with them, um, so to have this, and, and, and Nina Jankowicz was classic of, of this of like imagining this incredible nefarious power of these in, uh, disinformation campaigns it's like, no, it's not going to be like that what we have seen in the last two months is that, wow, was this a paper tiger in so many ways they're an incompetent country an evil and incompetently run administration. I'm not saying that but everybody lives there although I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with them um, but but like uh, at, they don't have that crazy competence but we do the same thing in domestic squabbles too. We imagine that the other side has this all-encompassing power and what that does even to you as an individual consumer is that it's warping your view. What you are looking at what you think that you are perceiving among the people who are acting in, in this way over here, is inaccurate. You are not seeing the world as it is. And that means you're going to make poor decisions Mm -hmm. based on that inaccuracy. And also you're going to have your fight or flight reflex just all hepped up and ready to go. And so whenever you see anyone who's acting or talking that kind of looks maybe in the direction of the bad team, you're like, okay, all bets are off. We got to do something about that dude over there. And this is kind of like we have been in that clenchy position In domestic politics now for seven years. And it doesn't get better by doing it more. That part of it is going to continue to get worse. Um, And one of the ways to sort of combat it is to look around and see what are the workaday things that people just sort of normally say and assert because they think of this irredeemable evil on the other side. One of the kind of dumb ones that, uh, that we talked about earlier was, oh, you know, obviously Elon Musk is doing X and Y and Z because he's apartheid and the racists and that's how it all works. None of that makes sense. It does like just on an individual personal level and as like a measurable thing that's happening, none of it does. But we have oh, for the last seven, eight years, nine years maybe, um, have kind of just allowed for there to be these casual fact-free assertions of colossal ill-intentioned racism and predatory racism, intentional white supremacy uh, (laughs) all around us. And we've degraded, and this is a broad we that I don't necessarily feel part of, but uh, sort of like the journalistic class has allowed for this ability to throw around accusations with zero verification, anti-verification, because it's just assumed that we all know that the bad team is over there. Um, this produces a lot of great opportunities for ridicule. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, that's
2: right. And I think that, that a brief point on that is that MSNBC or Fox or whatever, but I was thinking of MSNBC because of that Joy Reid thing, which I thought was so vile and so vulgar. That
1: and repeated by Eli, Eli Mistal uh, did a version of that. A few other people. I mean, made it's, similar it's
2: really horrendous. I mean, if I, I could, you imagine that being said about you? Um, I mean, when you're the richest person in the world, it kind of lands a little easier, right? <laughs> you're, you're like, ah, fuck you. But people are not going to MSNBC or watching Joy Re- Joy Reef's show to get information. That's not what they're there for. When so it's misinformation. Just well, it's there's no information. It's to help with the feeling, to make sense of your life. Your life as an ideological warrior has to make sense. I hate Elon Musk. I don't, I don't entirely understand why, but I go and then there's somebody that gives me this feeling, right? is that this he's like he's probably even a racist yeah no that makes sense that makes sense he's from <laughs> south africa he's a white guy he's a white african-american he's it makes a certain it's a like i'm not here for information also an american citizen but whatever. Uh, yeah he's an american citizen. Yeah. that's why i say african-american um <laughs> i'm not here to, to to be enlightened i'm here to to have my like the, the erogenous zone is going to be going to be uh, activated by what the people are saying. And to the the point about, um, and final point of misinformation, is that people always discuss misinformation, particularly Russian misinformation, as if if it's a one-to-one thing. Here's a piece of news that is real from the New York Times, and here is a piece of news that is put out that is misinformation or disinformation Mm. from the Russians. This is the wrong way of looking at it, right? If you go to a movie theater, and all the movies that you want to see that are made in Hollywood are gone. They're not there. You've already made the trip there, but all the movies that are playing are Bollywood movies. You'd go in there and you'd be like, what the fuck is this? This like singing, the acting's weird. There's the rain sequence and everyone dances for 45 minutes. What the fuck? This is a movie, but it's not what, nah, I don't, this is not an American movie. This doesn't make any sense to me. That is what Russian uh, uh, misinformation quote unquote stories we'd like to make. They don't seem like they're in the universe. Like watch the clips from uh, the stuff is not meant for us. It's meant for domestic consumption on Channel One in Russia. It's the wildest stuff you've ever heard in your life. It makes no sense. It's completely bonkers. It's, it's emotional. There's like people like they feel like they're about to start crying. I mean, if the stuff that we're up against is that, Sputnik and RT, we need yeah. a fucking office in the, come on now. Are you serious? That, no, that's a Bollywood movie to me. Hmm. Like, it just thing, doesn't make any sense. I know it's the thing. I came here for news, but it doesn't look like anything that I know. And it's everything about it smells weird. And is like, you know, they have these people in the field that have these like RT microphones. And they're just, of course, they're always only in one place. They're only in the Donbass on the Russian side. And they're like, their English is always like really weird. And we are here on the Donbass. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? This is a guy doing an impression of a newscaster, you know, and like they'd always have these off brand like British people who are like, you know, some guy that they found like sweeping the streets in Hull, And they're like, you yeah, know, we'll put you on. You sound like authoritative. I've never heard of any of them. <laughs> and they, they, they just look like you've walked into a set and there's like aliens that have taken the form of newscasters, but they just don't have it right. You know, they've gone through the tapes of what it's like <laughs> to be an American newscaster and then they do it. It's like, are we worried about this? Really? I'm not worried about this at all. And it's really not persuading anyone, particularly when it comes to Ukraine. So
0: as as you were uh, talking a little while ago, when, I think you mentioned in passing that Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. And I was remembering the AOC tweet that you were discussing at the very top of the, the show. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she suggested that some some kind word from Tucker Carlson or Peter Thiel would somehow make him feel yeah. special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the richest
2: yeah. man in the world. No, she says like you have he an ego problem. And he's like ego problem. <laughs> I'm literally the richest man on earth. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how does my ego? My ego's is pretty he has, healthy. He has a
0: huge ego. I'd just say it's proportionate to his accomplishments. Like you build rocket yes. ships that fucking land themselves. Like yes, <laughs> you 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 revolutionize the electric car industry. Look, I could complain about certain things that Elon does. Again, I don't like the way he talks about Adderall. I think it's wrong. I think it should be stopped. I think it's the kind of hateful, harmful speech that yeah, shouldn't I reported, be allowed. I on reported Twitter. that tweet, blocked and reported. I, I reported it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but beyond that, the guy is kind of remarkable. I I don't know. I, I do think that there's there's actually something very good and and healthy about having people like this engage with AOC and company directly to, to leverage their fuck you money, to, to actually take the opportunity to say, fuck you. By the way, she drives a Tesla. I'm sure she does. Is anyone. And that's us just, out? that's just it. So many She's of these white people Tesla. do. So many of these yeah. people do. I, Thanks, I imagine she won't be turning it in. I imagine she'll get a new one when that one is uh, old and done because they're Phenomenal cars. They've done a to, great to, job. Do the it. Venezuelans so or Cubans make
2: uh, electric cars? Maybe she could get one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I'm still still angling for my well, Cybertruck. I'm actually I'm going to put my deposit on that bastard right away. I'm um, also um the special guest that we were discussing earlier, guys. Uh, he he, mm-hmm. he just up. confirmed. So that's we got oh, cool. one of those locked down. So great. That's going to be good. Right. That's going to be. That's, that's going to be a good. nice surprise. People don't even. He's not. a crazy motherfucker. Too. <laughs> he is a little crazy. <laughs> he is a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Um can I I, I, <laughs> I could give him the most positive. I way. was gonna give a hint. It might be too much of a hint. No, 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 no,
1: I mean, no matter what, we're gonna get a crazy yeah. motherfucker. Let's let's I, be honest. I it. did
0: want to um before we before we punch out here. Wait, and, will we put this on the poster at some point? What put put him on the poster? Are we just
2: are we gonna never? mention no, not, no. Not no, we, it. Usually no. we usually yeah, don't. We usually don't. I mean, no. and we we are gonna send let's, a poster. Let's fill it over ourselves. To, we have to do a poster. Bring... So
0: I think yeah, yeah, yeah. The special guest will just announce there, or maybe we'll announce it the we'll day are. before or something. But it won't ever be on the poster. And at that point, it'll probably be. If sold we're not out.
2: selling tickets, we can-,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we can put it up. Um, yeah. I should.
0: I, up. I, I did want to talk briefly about um, a, a China story, and you know, we haven't we haven't talked about Ukraine much um, today at all, really. But that situation is still going on. I think maybe we mentioned it because uh, we talked a little bit of Bill and Cat, but China. Um, Shanghai lockdowns have been continuing. Protests are continuing related to that. Some more COVID cases in Beijing. Uh, it's reportedly like 120, 150 Beijing cases. The narrative there seems to be that, well, we didn't lock down fast enough in Shanghai, and you see how poorly that went. We're going to lock down really hard and really fast yeah. in Beijing, and yes. we're going to show you how great we can be. So that's happening, and that's weird. But the other thing that is happening this week and has perhaps gotten a little less coverage is China has a new sort of security partnership with the Solomon Islands and is planning to build some sort of base there, at least seems inclined towards doing it. And U.S. officials have taken umbrage and have suggested that this would definitely be a red line here, as have the Australians And there was a question asked about whether military options are are off the table. And of course, you get that kind of stock answer. Well, no, nothing is off the table. Um, But this seems genuinely concerning on a lot of levels. The the Cuban Missile Crisis comes to mind. But also, I can be pretty sure that there are certain people who are critical of the current way things are playing out in Ukraine with respect to the West's intervention Mm -hmm. there. The kind of realist perspective on the situation in Ukraine and say, look, you know, Russia has its sphere of influence. There is some hypocrisy involved with the United States taking issue with the Chinese deciding that they're going to, you know, reach a security partnership with the Solomon Islands. The Solomon Islands says, you know what? I, we, yeah, sure. We, we would like you to come in and be our security partner. Um, and of course, in, in.
2: Well, they said that only after the Australians failed them. Mm-hmm. They were negotiating with the Australians. I uh-huh. said, "Well, that w- that's yeah. not good enough." And the Australians and there has been a, a full
0: court press recently. Yeah. the U.S. and the Australians <laughs> have reengaged yeah. and are doing their best to to sort of persuade um, them. And there is at least some contrast with the Ukrainian situation. So I'm wondering if you guys have thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean Moynihan. Yeah, yeah, well,
2: I would just say that that I mean th- what the U.S. said today. It's like you know, and Australians have said red line and all this stuff too. Um, nothing will become of it. I mean, there's you, you never take anything off the table because it's incredibly stupid diplomatically to say. Right. No, we'll never, we'll right. never protect. No, them, I mean, we're so. not going to shoot anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody's, gonna, we'll just nobody's going to get yeah. dead. I mean, if they really yeah, we'll, pushed it, um, we would yeah, be we'll mad. <laughs> some, yeah, we're not going to sell any Doritos yeah. in the Solomon Islands. Yeah. I mean, we'd have some there ships. Is, you know, there's nothing will become. I mean, the the South China Sea stuff is a a complicated situation like the building of these man-made islands and all this stuff has been, it's been very provocative and China's, you know, been, been, you know, flashing its, its, uh, its, uh, you know, teeth at whatever the expression is. Sometimes they're flashing its teeth. It's not what I'm trying to say, but bearing its teeth is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, quite a lot recently. And the difference I think with, with, um, Ukraine is that obviously the Solomon Islands have negotiated with Australia, they came to no conclusion with that and they uh, they came to a security guarantee with China and while also saying that we don't want the militarization of the region <laughs> while they're, you know, signing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, China has no interest in the Solomon Islands other than expanding, you know, forward bases. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, America does it. Everybody does it. But as far as like Ukraine, the sphere of influence thing is that, you know, that's a country that's just been invaded. That's a sovereign country that had security guarantees from 1994 and just from the world community too. Um, not in NATO sense, but just in the sense that it's a sovereign country. And there was no invitation for anyone to come in. Now, to, to what people have been saying about the U.S. engagement here, there's been there's been a lot of conversation about a couple of comments that people have made, one in particular where it was like, you know, we want to, you know, grind down the Russians in in, in Ukraine. Uh, And people get outraged by this, but I don't understand why, because of course we do. What you're saying is you don't want people to admit it. I mean, anybody who is sensible wants a, you know, revanchist, imperialist, expansionist, you know, brutal power to lose more men and materiel in a war that it launched unprovoked on a sovereign country. You want them to lose And you want them to lose badly. And you want them to lose badly not because you want to take something from them, but because you don't want them to do that again. And you hope that they don't do that again and don't feel like, all right, well, we've cleaved off half the country. You know, that's what happened in Georgia. We cleaved off a couple of big chunks of territory. We did it again in 2014 in Ukraine. And if you give them even more territory now, the idea here, and this is uh, more realistic than the realists want to be, is that there's other sitting duck areas i mean there a, a russian general said we're trying to ca- carve out a corridor to get to transnistria mm. and you know there are people fleeing transnistria there's you know looks like kind of fake uh you know m- attacks on a couple of buildings in transnistria they're calling people up in the local army i mean this is like moldova doesn't really have an army but this is uh i mean nothing 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 to speak of but this is kind of you know the terrifying things that are happening in the region, and, and so it's not surprising that people want now. When it comes to the amount of money that that the Biden administration's requested of Congress, which is astonishing, um, an astonishing amount was it forty four billion or something like that? It was something. It's even yeah. It might even better. I've
1: seen thirty two, but it, uh, it's probably increased since last time I looked. Yeah.
2: There's there's a lot of room for debate with that. I mean, what is it? Um, what is our commitment here? How much are we committing? Um, how much of this is lethal aid and non-lethal aid. Um, but, you know, look, I, an ally needs needs weapons to survive. I'm not somebody who has a problem with, doing, with, with helping them out and, and giving them that. Now, I don't believe, they well, that's the escalation in the war. There's one escalation, single escalation, and that was Russia c- crossing the border with guns and with helicopter gunships and with planes and with mortars and destroying cities that will take decades to rebuild, killing, you know, children and men and women and raping people and tying their hands behind their back and shooting them in the back of the head. This is the escalation. And to say like, oh, don't make them mad. No, 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 that's not how it works. Because there are people that are allowed to be mad in the Ukraine situation right now, and it's Ukrainians, and that's Ukraine's allies too. They have a right to be mad and say, you don't want this to happen. I mean, look, everyone said this about America in the, in the Middle East. What happened when you saw the pictures of Abu Ghraib? And, and go back and look at newspapers. You're creating Al-Qaeda. You're creating, at this point, not ISIS, but something that will soon resemble ISIS. You're creating American enemies. Hmm. When Russia goes to Bucha and slaughters as many people as it did, and if you don't believe that that's true, um, there's something wrong with you. You have, you have a, a, a block that
1: is, that is at the very least go look at the New York times. Incredible. Amazing. Like, uh, I mean, it's 3d reporting. And that. it's also,
2: you know, it, it, the country that invades uh, tends to kill the citizens it invades, not the people defending them, killing their own citizens. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, it's not what happened. Uh, but that, so these sorts of things happen. Why is it only one way? Why is it only when the United States did bad things in the Middle East? and the United States did a lot of bad things in the Middle East, that that's a creation of a new generation of people or going to create a pipeline of, you know, the revolutionary guards from Iran going to come across the border. They're going to fight these battles. Um, We never bombed Iran, by the way, and the Iranians were doing what the Americans are doing right now in Ukraine, (laughs) funding, supplying. We ended up killing General Soleimani, what, 15 years later or something like that, longer than that? So, like, I don't, just don't understand that people that make these, that all the people that, the usual suspects that are talking about this in the most kind of quote-unquote realist mm-hmm. way are people that I guarantee you could find um, going back and saying that the invading and occupying power, the United States, was creating the resistance that it was facing. And it was creating more and more resistance every day. Um, and that's what Russia's doing. And, and the more they do this, they, they have one way out, a very easy way out. Pick up and go home. They're not going to do that.
1: Stop it. The um, uh, very easy, consistent through line is that um, independent, sovereign countries have a right to seek their own security guarantees. And uh, we all have the right to not poop our pants Mm. when they do it. Um, I think that's fine. Um, I have always thought that there is something odd about – and I'm opening my mind – for being talked out of this and I think Noah Rothman did on one of the episodes that we had him on here with talking about it, but um, it is called the South China sea. Mm. I think I don't think it's called the South Dakota <laughs> sea or the South Carolina sea. It's the South China. So they, sea. So they get to do China's what they want. Gonna, like, is that
0: what you're saying Matt Walsh? No. Okay.
1: No, but we <laughs> get to not have a war uh, based on some rocks in the fucking South mm-hmm. China sea. Um, and, and they are going to try to exert their rights. I presume they're going to be, uh, malevolently intended, uh, in a lot of different places and they're just going to, they're going to do that kind of stuff. And we, you know, we've got bribe money too. If the Solomon Islands matter to us X amounts, you know, we can throw money at the problem. Um, I'm not worried. I don't want them to be invaded by China. That's Mm -hmm. a bad thing. I don't want China to invade Taiwan uh, or to solve the problem militarily in, in that sense. Um, And I don't think that there's really uh, a lot of dissonance between that. I think that's a pretty normal thing to have respect for countries like, hey, we're small, surrounded by the bigs. We got to figure out a system. That's how the shit works. And particularly for those who tend to be anti-big security organizations or alliance structures, particularly NATO, um, it's like, okay, Let's 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 grant your anti-NATO stance and we should have done something different at the end of the Cold War. I have a, a cover story out for reason that's going into mailboxes, you know, tomorrow that's on this thing. It's about after the war, the the mistakes that were made after the end of the Cold War in creating in like solving and, and like coming up with a real post cold war settlement, which we never really did for a variety of reasons. Um, every end of a big war has a lot of things, a lot, a lot of loose ends, including what do you do with stranded ethnic communities who now are kind of like outside of the borders of the empire? What do you do with, with these populations? What do you do with security guarantees? There's a bunch of different things. And we didn't really sort it. Um, and we as the world. It's not America. Um, and but now I think there's an opportunity to maybe get that way. Um, and, and do it, but uh, for those who don't like NATO and don't like these organizations, you should all the more be very, very interested in the fact that small countries need security guarantees, and you need to have respect for them and the fact that they need them. Uh, and if they want to have one, if a small country next to a big country that they're worried about wants to get a security guarantee from a willing partner that's elsewhere, um, that's open to them. It's That doesn't mean that they are wearing a short fucking skirt. That means that they're trying to get a sense of self-defense. Um, yeah, and that and is that's the case with
2: defense. the Solomon Islands. I mean, just one final point on that is that, you know, South China Sea, as you say, it's the South China Sea. I mean, the Solomon Islands are obviously not in the South China Sea, and they're rather close to Australia. I mean, it's, you know, Brisbane's not too far from the Solomon Islands. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a concern of Australia's. And Australia's, you know, talking um, uh, pretty closely with the U.S. about this. But I get their concern. But, you know, if, if, if the Solomon Islands want to make a, a, this is a very simple way of putting it, the Solomon Islands want to make a, a security alliance with China, Australia should have negotiated better um yep. and they didn't and they they lost out that, and that's too bad but that's the Solomon Islands right to 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 make that choice and um you know if if you know they there there's the the conversation then of course is will the Chinese drop troops on the Solomon Island and then it gets then all of a sudden we have the Australian version of uh of the Sandinista government in Nicaragua in 1979 you know it's like wait there's going to be cubans showing up here right so anyway,
1: and and actually that that's an ex, that's a an argument for having countries not named the United States take their own fucking defense mm-hmm. 100%, more seriously, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which is that stop using us Z- as the backstop. Australia, yeah. you got money, you are
0: richer I, than China. Stop I was it. watching um, an old clip of Donald Trump talking to some of his European counterparts at a NATO meeting where he was he's was berating them for not spending enough of their own budgets oh yeah um to support to support defending themselves and i mean he's, he was like really laying into them just castigating them in in a way that that seemed exceedingly disrespectful say what you will at least that aspect of it might have kind of been a good thing
1: i mean we've already seen it and it should be pointed out i mean of course trump is going to be undiplomatic and a dick um what he was making a uh, plain there is what Barack Obama had made plain i think in 2015 at the same summit it's like spend more money you're not spending you're supposed to spend 2% of gdp whatever the target uh, number is and you're not none of you are maybe one one was or a couple um and so he had done the same thing maybe slightly um better manners about it in the diplomatic sense we're we'll, we'll go we'll go going to manners it's interesting come on now uh, I know you don't like manners. um i'm not going there but uh, what's interesting is that ultimately neither of their approaches worked. Mm-hmm. Barack was maybe trying to be nice about it. Trump was using like, well, maybe Article 5 we don't really care that much about. Like he was making private uh, co- uh, comments, making people think that the U.S. commitment to the most important aspect of NATO was starting to waver. And that's a that's a weird thing to put in, in negotiations. But the thing that bolstered NATO— Was Russia. (laughs) The thing that bolstered NATO was the concept of defense. It's it actually defense actually kind of means something to people. Right. You play in defense. People feel like they need to have the Finland feels like it needs to have self-defense now in a way that it didn't before. Um, So it's all on Russia. Everything that Trump wanted is happening. Many things on Biden's watch. um, And it has nothing to do with America. And I think that's kind of great. And people should uh, open up their minds for accepting this fact. Yeah,
0: I, I am aware of the of the if not a fundamental change in my own personal philosophy when it comes to foreign policy at a minimum in assessing the geopolitical landscape. And I still abide by the old Washington doctrine of unstable alliances and peace, commerce and honest friendship with all nations uh, entangling alliances with none, but at the same time, like the need to be on an appropriate footing with Russia and China, <laughs> that's a genuine need. That is something that if you value a certain kind of geopolitical order, if you value freedom and liberty in the most fundamental sense— You can pursue engagement and you can hope that trade can bring uh, those nations closer together and can eventually create circumstances that are better in China, that opening up will create benefits for all of us. But one has to recognize the actual threats that exist there as well. What's happened in Hong Kong, the prospects for Taiwan, the broader influence that China has been able to gain in recent years. Like the All prospects of, those of Taiwan, are, by the way, are, are
2: much better now, considering that uh-huh. everybody west of Lviv has supported Ukraine and pushing the russia I mean, just destroying columns of tanks and really yeah. making life hard for the Russians, and saying that you want you want to do this, you want you ready? yeah I mean, because because keep in mind the narrative six months ago was when you see the disastrous United States retreat from Afghanistan. It's going to embolden people and maybe it emboldened Russia. Okay. And maybe that's part of the calculus, but it's not going to embolden China now. Um, mm-hmm. It might have done so before, but you know, that kind of support for Ukraine. And it's also, look, I mean, if you have a kind of internationalist perspective, which is why, like, the, the you know, so many neoconservatives were old Trotskyites and mm-hmm. that so many critics of neoconservatism refer to them derisively as Trotskyites. And that's, you know, if you look at the kind of ideas of neoconservatism, all you see are problems and the holes in it and the rest of it. But that kind of internationalist attitude is like, what, mm-hmm. what do you do with that in 2000, uh, whatever we are, 22? 22, because I like the fact that I'm not, I, this is the difference between me and Pat Buchanan. right? There's a lot of, I'm not anti Semite, first of all, um, I, I believe John Domaniuk is a bad guy. But the difference between me and Pat Buchanan is that when I see the numbers of Chinese people, Vietnamese people, Indian people pulled out of poverty, that pleases me endlessly. I'm uh-huh. really happy that there are a lot fewer poor people. It's like, well, yeah. at what expense to Americans? It's like, well, I don't really think that way. I mean, I think yeah. there's been an enormous number of benefits for Americans, too. And people don't That's exactly talk right. about that either. But it's like the the benefits for, for you know, so I have the same, I have the same kind of idea I don't want, when it comes to foreign policy, I don't want American troops entangled in Ukraine. I think it's, it would be a disastrous and stupid idea, and I would, I would never, mm-hmm. ever support it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. what do you think when China decides to invade Taiwan? And then as yeah. I say from Taiwan, the very, you know, everyone talks about historical memory all the time. Russians are so mad about what happened in 1918. Well, maybe the Chinese are mad about the rape of Nanking. Maybe they decide to invade mm-hmm. Japan. Okay, we'll go to Honshu and then Kyoto. I mean, what do we do then? I mean, do you sit in your hands and say, well, we can't provide anyone with weapons. We don't want to provoke anybody. The the provocations have already happened. And, you know, then you see, of course, what happens with global food supplies, particularly with Ukraine and how important they are to global food supplies and to gas supplies to Western Europe. I mean, Bulgaria and Poland just completely cut off because they won't play ball with rubles. Um you know, and that, what that does to gasp, everything is our business in a way. Um, And that does not mean in any way that one has to involve themselves. But you do realize when big events like this happen, that the ripple effects are pretty great. And they, they, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then to the, back to the original point is that I just, I do, I I do hate to see what I'm seeing from Ukraine. It just, it, it, it pains me to look at those images and I can't watch half the videos that you see of like, you know, a five-year-old crying over their father's right. coffin. I Cause just, it cause it, just, is, it just
0: hits different when it's civilized white people. That's exactly, that's why it's a, people. it's a white I supremacist. I know that's what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cause you can't, you can't see those other people as people. Yeah. That's got, the got real it. problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the suffering in
1: Africa doesn't matter to you, yeah. you monster there there is a uh there is a lesson that we can learn in 2022 that was not available uh was not learnable because it didn't exist in 1945 6 7 and 8 which is that the world was destroyed after world war 2 and europe as we mm. know it which we mm. now think of as the rich world or whatever europe was a fucking wasteland after yeah. 1945 it is staggering I mean, the U- U.S. had something like one third of the world's manufacturing output at right. the end of World War yeah, II. Yeah. Like that, just like there wasn't any other way to do anything except to build these multilateral institutions—a whole bunch of them—in basically three years, right? Like the yeah. United Nations, the World Bank, NATO. We're Marshall Plan. We're going to do all of this stuff. Now, what was were the ideas of this is? Um, we can build and, and, you know, even encouraging with the Marshall Plan and with um, the encouragement of what became the European community, the precursor of the EU. What was the idea? The idea is how can we sort of make sure that the Ruskies don't invade, but also that they're trading freely with one another so that they stop bombing each other, which they've done forever, Germany and France, so that and also they can start producing their own wealth. Mm-hmm. So they can start doing their own shit, which when, they did wonderfully in Germany. The, the, which, they did wonderfully. Which they called it, yeah, it,
2: Wirtschaftswunder. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's yeah.
1: a it's one of the most staggering well half of things. Germany. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was a but Wirtschaftswunder
2: on like, one side only.
1: Yeah, we we forgot about that great principle: short term, incredibly successful mission. Make people rich enough so that they can handle themselves. Right. And we forgot the handle themselves part. And we were skeevy about uh, we, we want Germany to handle Do we want Japan to have an army? Yes, motherfuckers to Michael's hypothetical. Wh- what if China goes into Japan? I want Japan to fucking rock their shit up by having a military instead of ours. Why do they have our military? Enough of that shit. Everyone is rich enough to, and that's that's part of yeah, trading is great to get people out of extreme poverty in the shithole countries of the world, to use Donald Trump's phrasing. Um, and I'm really happy about, about that in a very, like, fundamental, wonderful way. And also, it allows the rich countries to buy all the weapons to make sure assholes don't get in their shit. Well, that's and the who thing. Is... That's, the, that's the thing that's interesting <laughs> about this. And
2: I thought, that <laughs> to maybe to make sure
0: assholes don't get in their shit. That's a quote from yeah. Patton. Exactly right. Poetry.
2: Uh... <laughs> Poetry. That's what that is. Yeah. That's what I thought after Iraq and the disaster of Iraq and the mistake of Iraq sending American troops was not going to be an easy proposition. And that was, that's a great change uh, Mm -hmm. from Iraq and Afghanistan. And I'm, I'm happy about that, but I, I I was, I'm surprised in a way that if American blood is not being spilled, that American treasure is being provided. The American treasure being provided also angers the same people who were mad about the Iraq war from the beginning last time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. rightfully So, but I thought it's not so much just the American boys and girls uh, dying there. It's, it's, even if you provide money, it's, it, there's, a, there's a certain group of people who are not going to uh, appreciate that either. That's kind of surprised me a little more than I thought. I, mean, I,
0: I, I suspect the concern there is that there might be a cascade. You might find yourself slipping into something because it's, it's seen as a provocation. It, and impossible. They, they, they it want is a provocation, but you know, avoid it's, yeah, avoid a conflict. Which, I, I think that it, what
2: people don't understand about this is this happened throughout the Cold War, right? There was, mm-hmm. there was, you know, when, you know, not Russian troops, but in this case, you know, Cuban troops that were fighting in Angola. And Jonas savimbi on the other side of the Angolan War, was getting weapons from the United States. In the United States' weapons are killing Cubans. And Cubans are actually on the ground there. And then and there's certain places where there's Americans on the ground. I mean, John McCain shot out of the sky by a Soviet missile operated by a Soviet, right, in Vietnam. That was happening then, too. I mean, what happened in North Korea, in in the Korean War? All of these conflicts, there's nothing that strikes, it might strike, you know, Michael Tracy as odd. It does not strike Vladimir Putin as odd. Somebody who grew up in the Soviet Union, worked for the KGB, and knew that proxy wars was the way that we fought wars for 100 years, or 50, 60 years. Um, This isn't surprising. I don't think everyone's like, oh my God, they're going to take it out in America now because we're providing weapons. No, they they should have expected that too. Much in the same way in, in Iraq, people criticized the Bush administration, rightfully so, for not expecting the creation of an insurgency that would be funded by God knows who. And we can figure out who that is, whether it's Iran, Pakistan, whoever it might be. But that's what happened, yeah. right? I mean, where do the guys that are blowing Americans up in 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 Iraq from a you know multinational force of scumbags that come to Iraq, where are they getting the weapons? They're not going and buying them at the store. I mean, this is how it works, right? I mean, you provide people with weapons and they use them to kill people. It's, 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 that's it's not, there's nothing surprising about this, and it's not. And we should
1: also we should differentiate between proxy wars because there is like getting on sides of a civil war or civil wars like you know buttering themselves mm-hmm. up to a superpower war that's going on and then there is sovereign countries that get invaded for no good fucking right. reason at right. all by massively larger neighbor that's an international taboo yeah. of some import um and it plays out and it's different it's just different it ain't fucking funding the fund the contras in Nicaragua which it's which
2: different. which by the way was a a secret operation then was banned by congress then became an illegal secret secret operation versus zelensky going on tv every day saying this is how much i need from you this is how much i need from you Mm, this is how much i need from you Mm -hmm. so that's it's a kind of a different thing i mean the proxy war is invited by the people who are being invaded because they're saying you know i mean if you look at what's happening in mariupol and these people in the uh what is it as the as stole blah 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 steelworks or whatever you know in, in the kind of catacombs of that. And they're like, we're not giving up. We will not surrender. We will die here. And they're very plain about it. We're going to die here. We know we're going to die here. And we're going to stay here. They want to let, there's like a hundred, couple hundred, um, you know, civilians that are down there too. And they want to try to get those people out. And the humanitarian corridors have not worked and the Russians have not abided by that. But this, these are not people that want to give up. And, and it's like people are talking constantly and I find it embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for them that they know so little about the world. And they're like, "Well, you know, we we have to get the settlement going. Who? Us? I'm sorry. The United States has to tell Zelensky and the Ukrainians that they have to settle. Look at polling in Ukraine. There's a couple of actually accurate polling firms in Ukraine that basically say we won't give up an inch. We we will rather die than give up an inch to the Russians. And they're not going to. And so, give them the weapons that they want and what, what they need, because they're not. There's not a fucking, you know, obvious way out that America's preventing, because they're twisting their mustache and saying, ha, 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 "We want to see more Russians die." It's like, no, no, that's the Ukrainians are saying that. <laughs> <laughs> they want to see more Russians die. They're doing a good job of it too.
3: Hmm.
0: Well, we should probably wrap this up. Um, yeah, I, I will say, uh, I don't know if you guys saw um, Olivia Beaver's story in Politico language about the uh, Freedom mm-hmm. Caucus.
2: No, who's the Beaver? Uh, it's it's Does just it's
0: just funny, a funny story. And at least they're interesting tidbits like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lil Barrett getting into like a shouting match that almost has them coming to blows is just a wonderful scene to imagine. Um, So Pillow go back. find that.
2: I'm not catfucking. I'm not gonna read that. I'm gonna put my money on uh, Margie Taylor Greene and not Bober because yeah. she's a fucking yeah, she's a thug. It's just Dang.
0: it's. I think we talked about this briefly last week as well. Just it's it's nice to encounter stories in mainstream publications that are seeking to understand the like evolution of like the political landscape on the right and the complicated relationships that exist there, rather than painting them all with a broad brush as irredeemably crazy racist monsters. And, you know, it's just an I mean, example crazy, of that. I mean, they're crazy, for sure. Yeah, and there's plenty of crazy and just awful over there as well. Um, and I'd, I'd say that that's probably true on the left as well. And I'm, Wait, I'm is, not looking for any sort of equivalence. I'm just saying it's crazy times. I
2: mean, just think of it this way. if the, I haven't read this piece, but the Freedom Caucus was something very different in yes. Yes. Marjorie Taylor Green is in the Freedom Caucus. Yeah,
0: it's different. That's yeah. amazing. And Justin Amash is not. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. no Justin
1: Amash. They censured him. Remember, on his way yeah. out the door, they're like, "You yeah. suck, you person who founded this yeah. caucus." I mean, Andy Biggs cherubim. and
2: Paul Gosar. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ, Lauren Boebert. I mean, Mad Gates. Oh, is is, is Madison Cawthorn fucking... in the Freedom Caucus? Probably not. I he is yeah, right now. Yeah, he is. He is? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. It sounds about right.
2: Yeah. This is. I mean, these are people. The, the, the missions changed. <laughs> um, we'll a little less libertarian than a little
0: more be. impossible, perhaps.
2: Yeah, there it is.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I did there.
2: All right. So, uh, yeah Yeah.
1: Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse.